There is no reforming the schools. The options are survival or escape. But this realization actually marks the beginning of a new and fulfilling educational journey. For both students and parents. Welcome to the School Sucks Project. Our mission is to provide clarity, support, and empowerment to parents who are concerned and frustrated with the content and culture of the public schools. We achieve this mission through the creation of educational and entertaining media and the development of supportive communities. Continuously building a more detailed picture of what genuine self-directed education can look like. We are determined to pursue this mission because we understand the dangers of indoctrination, toxic school culture, and short-sighted education policies. And we deeply value intrinsically motivated learning, autonomy, and choice in education. And please remember the three important facts we first tried to share when we started in 2009. The schools will not improve. Higher education will not improve. The political conversation about these institutions will not improve. Only we can improve. So let's begin. And welcome back to The Essential School Sucks. This is number 16. Here is what's possible beyond public school. And in the previous conversation with Diane Murphy, you heard me mention at some point this cross-country trip that I was doing called School Sucks Across America. And we also talked about setting up self-directed learning communities more in the abstract. Today, we will go and visit one. So in today's release, we'll fast forward just a little bit, less than a month, I think, and I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. School Sucks Across America started in New Hampshire. By day six, I was in Harrisburg, and I was visiting a really, really inspirational place called The Circle School. Now, I knew that in this Essential School Sucks collection, I wanted to include at least one of these on-the-ground experiences in an alternative education setting in a self-directed learning environment. And I had several shows to pick from. Now, this is a roundtable that we did in a room with like 20 students and staff. It was me and my friend, Tony Myers, who you will hear in this recording, but you will also hear in future episodes of The Essential School Sucks. The audio quality is not great. So if you're listening, you know, like on a hi-fi system or like on a really good pair of headphones, and it's, it's an important conversation, but if you find the audio quality not great. I actually put an alternate show that I recorded in Kansas on uh, another alternative learning center called Sparks Academy, mostly for younger kids. So I interview the person who founded Sparks Academy, and then I do another roundtable for, for about the second half of the show with the students at Sparks Academy. So if you need better audio quality and want to get a lot of the same content, there is an alternate show linked in the show notes for this episode. This uh, circle school, like I didn't agree with their entire philosophy, and I hope you realize by now that School Sucks was always about the integration of a variety of different voices and viewpoints with the expectation that listeners, parents, people who are interested in homeschooling or unschooling or some other uh, alternative school setting like the one we're going to visit today, the circle school, they could pick and choose what they liked, uh, whether it was culture, environment, philosophy, and they could make something that was their own and really well-tailored to the needs of their own children or their own community, if we're talking about a learning community. So Circle School is based on the Sudbury model, which started in Massachusetts, and it's a, kind of like a democratic school environment. Happy, healthy, 
young people who are excited to be a part of a community and interact with adults, which is so important for young people. It's like you think about the antagonistic relationship that children develop with adults in the you know public school setting. This was such a breath of fresh air uh, to be in this circle school environment for the hours we were there that day back in 2017. So we're going to talk about rules. We're going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about how learning takes place in an environment like this. And I, I also think it's important to point out that not every young person who is given an opportunity for educational freedom is going to make the most of it. Uh, there were kids, like I've been in really like hands-off alternative education settings, and you are just going to have some kids who want to sit in a dark room in front of computers all day. But the fact that these opportunities exist as an alternative to public school for the kids who really, really need them we don't need to focus on the kids who might be in these environments not making the most of them. I choose to focus on the kids who seize the amazing opportunity of being set free to learn how they want, how they best learn, what they want to learn to kind of ride on their intrinsic motivation. This is one of the most important things that I learned as an educator. Young learners have to be self-motivated to really learn and retain new information. They have to want it. They have to understand a purpose for it. So it's super, super important to me that even though some kids might not take full advantage of that opportunity, the kids who would be robbed of that, on the other hand, in a public school setting, are now given that opportunity by places like the Circle School. One question that you might have is, well, how does somebody go to a place like this and then move from there into college? I understand that this is a question that people still want to ask, but I would remind you that there are now alternatives to the traditional college path. The one we promote most enthusiastically here at School Sucks is Praxis. And right in our show notes, you can click the link, Visit Praxis, and you can get a free book called Forward Tilt written by Isaac Morehouse and Hannah Frankman, and that gives you a look inside uh, how the Praxis program has worked over the last several years, how they have achieved such level of success with so many students as, uh, again, this overpass to the traffic jam that is the college admissions process, the college attendance process, the college graduation process, and then the final and frustrating step, the job search. One of the nicest compliments I ever received about School Sucks is it seemed like I really had respect for people's time in the way that I, you know, I try to be concise, I try to edit, and uh, that meant a lot to me. Contrast that to school where young people learn you know, subtly but persistently that their time is not valuable at all. Even their time outside of school will not be respected. So languishing in an institution of higher education for four years after the 15,000 hours of public school that you're forced to endure is not respectful of a young person's time, especially in a changing world where there are so many reliable avenues into the professional and entrepreneurial world. So Praxis understands that. That's why we partnered with them. That's why I was basically an unofficial partner of Praxis since I ever first heard of Praxis back in 2015. So again, the link is discoverpraxis.com slash podcast and grab a free copy of Forward Tilt. If you want to learn more about how you can help the School Sucks Project, check the show notes. There's lots of options. And I need to actually say this uh, right here. If you are 
a current patron, please log into your account and check your messages. I've been trying to communicate with all of you uh, about something very, very important behind the scenes. I made some changes to our Patreon uh, setup to improve the user experience a couple months ago. And I'm worried there's a few people on there who might not know that I've been trying to get in touch with them through the messaging system there. So please log on to your account and check your messages. I have some like important news that uh, I need to share with you. And so maybe there's a chance that, I don't know, a few dozen of you are listening here instead of on the Patreon RSS feed. Please check your messages. I have some important news. All right, here is School Sucks Across America, day six. There was a little bit of a delay in like how fast I could release these shows as I was traveling. So I think the monologue is from like a couple weeks later. But this was from right at the beginning of my cross-country trip to meet and greet and learn from self-educators, uh, home educators, unschoolers. And it was one of the greatest things I ever did in my life. So I'm very, very happy that I get to share one of these episodes with you in this uh, Essential School Sucks collection. Also, there's a cold open that's longer than a lot of our cold opens. It lasts about four minutes, but it's me explaining what school sucks means. So the first question that I have for the, the young self-educators is, what did you think when you first heard a guy with a podcast called School Sucks was coming to talk to you? So... This is The Essential School Sucks number 16, originally released October 27th, 2017, as podcast 520, Circle School Roundtable with Tony Myers and over 20 young self-educators. Thank you for listening. Here we go. when they first saw the title of the show accurate accurate <laughs> had you had you ever been in school yeah public yeah. school yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for man. how long um till six six or seven how old are you now uh 16 oh cool um anybody else just by i'm sorry i don't know a better way than show of hands um <laughs> oh my god how reminding me of public school <laughs> <laughs> how many how many other uh, of you spend time in public school yeah, so quite a few, me. The reason why I called the show that, I've actually been doing this for eight years. When I started the show, I had been a teacher and a tutor and a college admissions consultant for about a decade in total. My, I was 29 or 30 years old, so my career had spanned that, that much time, about a decade. I started working with uh, young people right out of college in a boarding school in Vermont. And... Everyone always used to say that to me, all the students. That was probably the, the number one phrase that I heard from kids. They would say, oh, school sucks. And they were very uh, defeated by, and I worked in private schools, but I also worked with a lot of kids in public schools. And, and that was a very, very common sentiment. But also at that time, this was like 2009, um, I had young nieces and nephews, like four years old, five years old, six years old. But I was working with kids doing college admission stuff, like the SAT. People probably know what the SAT is. Here you had these kids who were like football stars, track stars, you know, overachievers. They got good grades. They were applying to, like, Harvard and, uh, you know, the best schools, Yale. Uh, the best schools, they're called finger quotes. Um, 
the most prestigious schools. We could definitely say that, and that would be accurate. And when I, as I compare these two groups of people, like the young kids in my family versus these old people who are bigger and stronger and like going places, um, the, little, the little kids would come up to me and they would look me in the eye and they would want to tell me stuff and they'd be excited and enthusiastic and can I tell you a joke? Can I show you what I'm learning? Do you know what this is? They would ask you questions. While these big, powerful uh, 16 and 17 year olds who had gone through this whole process of schooling wouldn't even look me in the eye. So what was the first thing that happened when, when I got to your school today? Ten people came right up to me, looked me in the eye, uh, introduced themselves, told me what they were doing, uh, became our tour guides, and that's just so counter to my experience working in the schools. Where and, and to my experience as a student too, when I was 16 years old, the last thing I wanted to deal with was an adult, you know, because because of the relationships that we had. And even the relationships with my parents. My parents had to be the police for the school, you know. Did you do your homework? Sh you know, shaking me out of bed at 6.30 in the morning. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> to get on a bus, you know. So it's mom, bus driver, uh, the, the homeroom teacher, and then seven, eight more of those people, and then Ooh. I could go home. So memories. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't, like, really excited about having lots of interactions with adults. But that's, and that's the thing that's different about a place where you guys are working with adults and you're in charge of your own learning and you're in charge of your own education and where you're going. Like, a new adult is, is exciting. Uh, let's see who this person is and what they know and what they're all about. So it was like the difference between school and, and this environment was so apparent to me the moment I walked in the door. And I just thought that was awesome. So the sucking of school was all of these positive qualities that so many of you guys have and, show, and sh like are apparent as soon as I walk in here. Confidence, uh, being social, being curious, you know, being enthusiastic. Um, by the time we're 17 or 18, for too many of us, it's gone. You know, it was for me. Uh, so that's what my show is about. It's about making that distinction between school, which everyone in America almost calls education, and what I think actual education is, which is what you guys do here every day. Everybody, this is Brett. Welcome back to School Sucks Across America, Day 12. As I speak, it is October 26th. I'm pacing back and forth in a hotel room outside of Chicago, Illinois. For the podcast, we're going to return to Day 6, October 20th. And I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, visiting the Circle School. I was accompanied by my good friend and somebody who's been a very valuable contributor to the School Sucks podcast and project in the past, Tony Myers. We went up for a tour of the school. This was kind of a last minute add to the trip, just maybe days before I left, we confirmed that we were going to do this. And Tony and I wound up in a conference room with about 25 people, both uh, students and staff. And we just had this amazing roundtable discussion where, you know, I asked questions, Tony asked questions, they asked me questions. And it was just a really enriching and impressive experience. So the Circle School uses a model similar, but not identical, to Sudbury. You might remember I visited a Sudbury school a couple years ago, Osborne and I, and I had kind of a mixed review. Um, I was just thoroughly impressed with everything that I experienced while I was at uh, the Circle School. And I wish I had had a little bit more time, not just to spend there and talk to people, but also to prepare. 
If you're interested in more information, you can go to circleschool.org. But I just wanted to go over some of their key principles. Every student at Circle School is, in their words, on a journey to independence. And what's cool about this is it's happening at all ages. It's an age-integrated community. So you have some very young kids there. I believe our tour guide was about seven. And uh, most of the students who wanted to uh, provide information about what they were doing or ask me questions, they were teens. They do use the democratic model, and we are going to discuss that with both students and staff. And one of the things that I took away from that, uh, I think I had kind of a, a sour and maybe a more uh, purist attitude about this when I visited Sudbury years ago, but how, you know, giving people this kind of freedom in their education, there's also some expectation of personal responsibility. And I really like the way that message came through in parts of this discussion. So uh, I was really glad that I was able to do this. I want to say thank you to J.D. Stillwater, who organized the visit, and uh, to all the students who participated in this discussion. It was really amazing. So uh, I've got uh, just a couple hours here, and then I'm going to meet with some of the Chicago folks. And I want to thank Sarah Wassinger, who organized this, also kind of a, a last-minute get-together outside of Chicago. And then tomorrow, I'm on to St. Louis. So uh, if you are a supporter, I hope you will check out the, the Drive Journals, where I'm talking about this experience in a little bit more detail. It is the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. Boy, I just can't say enough good things about the last 12 days, but I'm trying. I'm, I'm really trying to get it all out in one form or another. Uh, I want to say thank you, too, to all the people who've signed up to support the show. So if you just want automatic access to any of the bonus content, including the Drive Journals, which for patrons will be batched and released at the end of every week, please sign up via Patreon. That's a, a much better choice for immediate access right now. Thanks again for your support. Thanks for your interest. Thanks for all of the engagement on uh, Facebook and Instagram. That's where I'm making most of my posts about this. And uh, gosh, I just can't wait to see what's next, everybody. This has been totally awesome. So here's my visit uh, with Tony Myers to the Circle School in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You'll hear Tony ask the first question in just a minute here. And just a quick production note, all of the audio in this show was recorded using the same method I'm recording right now, which is just the external mics on a Zoom recorder. There were so many people that uh, passing microphones around just seemed like more of a hassle than putting the Zoom in the middle of a very large table. So I worked on this audio quite a bit. There are some, some taps and background noises, but I really think getting this captured uh, is worth it. Thanks for listening, and take care. Have any any of you guys done other types of, like, I don't know, we call it alternative education or Sudbury-style schools or unschooling, homeschooling? Online school, Online. like yeah. Connections yeah. Academy. Like, uh, in comparison or contrast to, like, other types of, like, alternative schooling, what do you guys feel about this style? Like, what do you like? It's like, better than online schooling, which you still have to do all the same <laughs> curricula. All the same thing. Yeah. Well, that sounds rough, man. I don't even know. I don't know the flip. I don't know the slightest bit about it, and that sounds rough. <laughs> what part of it? I don't know. It just like it just sounds rough. But I don't really know how to describe it. The cyber school that. sounds rough. Oh, the yeah. 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 You have all the same curricula, but you don't have a teacher telling you, "Okay, make sure you do it now." What you do it now, so you're like, a, is the see? curriculum the same as like what you would get in like a public school? Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's the same standard curriculum. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, they're they're usually called virtual, like in New Hampshire anyway. They're called virtual online, they're, and they're under like charter schools. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. They're under. Okay. So the reason why I ask is because 
one, there's other cool forms of alternative education. I mean, this is one of the, maybe the, the best I've seen. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them still follow that curriculum sort of standard yeah. curriculum style that are being you know, enforced to by the state mm -hmm. or yeah. by the federal government. So. One reason why they're so popular, though, is because, at least in Pennsylvania, charter schools are free. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So, um, and it seems like if you just can't stand to go to a traditional school, that, that this is better. Yeah. yeah. And it's free. So, yeah, yeah they give you the computer. Wow. It's, it's very alluring. That is, but mm -hmm. is it privately funded by local businesses, or is it state? No, 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 the state pays for it. State takes charge. Yeah. That's different from, okay. So this was one of the fights about this. Um, That's pretty was that the charter schools would be kind of taken over by the public system. Oh, and eventually... I, my friend's wife works at a charter school in mm -hmm. Ohio, and I just weren't... Maybe it's different state by state. It is. Because I think in Ohio, it's like, there's a big issue with the private funding from local businesses or what drove the uh, charter schools. People are suspicious of that. I yeah, think. and then there's a big... Yeah, it was... They, wanted, they were pushing, of course, that sort of dialectical argument. It's like, well, it should be more in state control instead of private. Who knows what the private is? Right. You listed a bunch of people when you started out that might get registered as agents of coercion, like your parents being sort of co-opted into that by the school and the bus driver and the homeroom teacher and all those. Cyber schooling puts all of that. It's still just as coercive, but it's all on your parents. Because you're not you're not moving your body to a school which has some social dimensions to it. Uh huh. So and some motivational. Well, we could. Uh, I'll use my finger quotes again. Motivational dimensions. It's more like carrots and sticks. Um, <laughs> like you're either going to be rewarded or punished for doing things or not doing them. But you're right. That kind of centralizes it all into. Well, I would like to think that it's the you know the learner's responsibility. And I've worked with when I was a tutor. I worked with a couple of kids who went to these online charter schools these virtual schools, and I was there to just kind of see them through the process and answer questions. But if somebody was highly motivated to, say, finish high school and go to college early, then that's great because you can zip right through. I did a year of math with one uh, young girl in a month, you know, so, th so there are opportunities with those, those options. But I've also worked in the opposite situations where uh, there was a young man I was tutoring and I had to go and... Uh, get him out of bed in the morning to to and he really dreaded it and it was just not a good fit for him um, I was one of the things that I was hoping to do was uh, ask the group and have somebody who'd be willing to explain what a typical day for you is like here at the school uh, oh boy. sure okay. yeah yeah please what, what happens when you first come in what do you, what do you usually do um, when I first come in, yeah, I usually find all my friends and they go out to my to our fort and start building it. And your your fort? Yeah. Where is that? Down there. Right out the window. <laughs> you can see some kids in it right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. So you guys built a fort? Yeah. And what do you do uh, in the fort? We uh, sometimes we hang out. Sometimes we um we like. Uh, like play in it. It's really old. Mm -hmm. And what else do you do while you're here? Um, that's really all I do. Sometimes yeah. play pickle. Sometimes play capture the flag. Pickle? What's pickle? Is it's that like, when you're it's in like the middle? Sharks and minnows. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know why they call pickle though. Yeah. No, it's like 
question. Social school college. <laughs> <laughs> it just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they told me at public school. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it is. So question. I'd like, and if we could, like a few people want to take a, a shot at that question, because I bet almost everybody would have a different answer. Yeah. Where, yeah, if you ask me, and gosh. 150 of my closest friends when I was, uh, you know, 16 years old, we'd all have very similar answers. And that's one of the things that I think is really great about what you guys are doing. It's so, also completely different from day to day. Right. I said a typical day, didn't I? Right. Oh, maybe there there isn't a typical day. Oh, no. So, yeah, we'll, we'll reveal some of our own um, conditioning and experience through maybe the way we even phrase some of our questions. So, yeah, who else wants to? Yes, please. Um, so usually uh, I ride the bus to school on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which is like a two-hour bus ride. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Where is from? Like upstate or something? No, I just live, I live in Edo's. It's only like a half-hour ride, yeah. but since it's a private school, a bus stops I have to go up oh, sure. everywhere. So I usually get to school, I sign in, which is just a sign in, I write the time beside my name, and then we each have a chaw every day. So, um, each person has a chore, so, like, uh, everyone ages nine and under has, like, easier chore. It'll be easier, like, just clean off a table, or it's easier. But then, like, older kids' chores over nine are more, like, vacuuming the whole area. Mine is taking out the trash, and you get to pick which chore you do. So there's, like, a list, and then you can get a permanent chore is where you do all the chores, the chore every single day the same, and you can choose that if you want to do that. For your kid, uh, Bribe Simon. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, so they're free assigned, or do you guys like deliberate on which ones you guys want to do? We just pick it. It's false come, false solve. Whoever gets yeah. your false yeah. is signed up. Cool. Yeah. And also, if you go to a chore committee, you can get a permanent chore if you really like one chore. So nobody could take your chore. And if you're good enough at your chore, they'll give you a star, so you don't have to go get someone to check your chore to make sure you did your job. <laughs> if you're good enough. <laughs> if, you're, if they trust you. Are there like certain chores you guys all go after first? Yeah. Is there anyone? I, I actively touch on the responsibility of sleeping up this one. So are there a lot of permanent like, chore people? Is there like a chore? Uh, what's that thing called in Hollywood? The Walk of chore. Fame? Stars. Is there a lot of people moving around, or are there a lot of people who are fixed in one place? Um, I have a permanent chore. It's like a big sweeping area. <laughs> like pretty much everybody has a permanent chore. Like, yeah, a lot whenever, of whenever I look at the chore chart, I notice there are a lot of people with permanent chores, but more people move around than permanent chores. But then again, it's the beginning of the year, and people are just trying to figure out what chore they want. And some people don't want to do the same chore every day. Right. Yeah. If you have an easy chore, then yeah, I just keep it. Yeah, that's what I do. And, and a lot of the chores in this building, which we just moved into, mm -hmm. are brand new. I mean, the chore committee. And in fact, when we first moved here, we didn't have any of the individual chores at 2 o'clock. We decided at 2 o'clock, we're all going to clean for 10 minutes. And so some things got cleaned really, really well, mm -hmm. and other things got totally ignored. Mm -hmm. um, but, but in the last, what, three weeks, we started having chores that the chore committee went around and made a long list of, okay, we need somebody to wash this table, and we're going to need someone to wash this counter. And so then we started picking our own chores sure. from that list. So I'm sorry, your name again was? Sadie. Sadie, we're still pretty early in your day then, yes, right? Yeah. It's still the so, first thing in the morning. So that's just when you sign up for a chore. Usually each, uh, like, each, each, like, Different chores have different times you do them. Mm -hmm. So you usually do them in the afternoon. So I get there, sign up for a chore, um, 
And then I just usually walk around, don't really know what to do, so I hang out with some people. And I hang out with some people, we usually walk around. A lot of times we play uh, capture the flag outside. Um, I go to a lot of meetings, the one is called NRG. Um, it stands for National Resources Group, and like for two years we've been, we walked on a trip, and last summer we went, went on a trip to Oregon to see the Great American Solar Eclipse. We raised money and stuff, so. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It was like nine, nine kids and two staff members. That's very cool. So how often, how often do those meetings happen? So each meeting picks their own time. Uh, the NRG last year met like two times a week because we were, but this year it, it meets once a week and then there's different subcommittees to like, there's like a media committee to look at all the media stuff of the NRG and the different subcommittees that work on other stuff of the NRG. The NRG was the first of the student interest groups to have a, its own Facebook page and its own uh, website. So that's the media subcommittee she's talking about. Uh, mm. That's somewhat unusual. Most of, most we call them corporations, student interest groups. Um, like the music corporation runs the music studio that you saw on your tour. And, um, there are a lot of different groups like that. So w uh, one more thing. So how was the eclipse? It was amazing. amazing. Well, I was here, so it was a bit <laughs> underwhelming. I agree. I agree. I was at the the beach, and I was all excited for it. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then I realized uh, I think I missed it. And I <laughs> so that must have been extraordinary. Yeah, it, cool. it like almost got completely dark, and it was really cool. Mm -hmm. you sure. Me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'll, I'll take a crack at the. I'll take a crap. I'll take a crap. <laughs> let's have my tongue desert me one more. Let's have. Let's not have my tongue desert me anymore, please. Oh my god. I'll take a crap. You be quiet. I'll see me after this meeting. How my typical day goes is that I go to school and mm -hmm. usually I'll usually I spend a lot of time with my friends. I mean, some of them are here now. Mm -hmm. so. I do some musical work. I'm a big music guy, as my buddy JD over there definitely knows. What do you play? I play piano. Oh, nice. I'm playing for like 11, 12 years now. Oh, wow. He's you a composer, also compose. too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, He just nice. does it on a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, I just synthesize everything. It's it's fun, but it's, it's fun, it's simple, and by the next year I'm like... This. Why did, how did I just How did I decide that that was good enough? I, I need to make it better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I hang out with my friends. I do music stuff. And that's mo that's most of a typical day for me. I'm sorry for my tongue. Oh no problem, no problem. So how much how much time do you think you spend in there each day in that in that music area? Maybe an hour, probably more. An hour, probably more. I would say three. <laughs> yeah. Time goes fast when you're for him. It's yeah. probably like an hour, right? Yeah, right. yeah that's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. That's but you could. I'm I'm guessing if you wanted to be in there more, you could be right. Oh, yeah. Or okay. Mm -hmm. All right. That's interesting. Does anybody else want to just? Uh, yeah, sure. Because I do have a few other questions too. I'm realizing this might only be questions for you because I do have uh, a few of them, and I'm glad you guys want to answer them. Um, anyone else want uh, to do the typical day, or sorry, finger quotes again, typical day question? Okay, so I usually get out of mom's car, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> don't off, 
And then I come in and I'm usually talking to Ellen at the front desk for like a minute or two, just saying hi. And then I go sign in and I have a permanent chore so I don't really sign up for chores so or be there. And then I usually just walk around, go room to room most of the time and just like see what's going on. Going on. And then I usually just like wait for my friends to get here because mm-hmm. then that's when the day actually gets exciting. Thank <laughs> you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mostly. Different times and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Good but, to know you value our company. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then usually I talk to Mick because he's always the one who's here like the earliest. Mm-hmm. So then <laughs> I'm just like by the time it's like an hour later and all my friends are here, I'm just just hanging out with my friends. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, and then um, lunchtime I eat lunch, and it's most of the time Panera bread. Sometimes we order. <laughs> yeah. You get delivery? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we, we order get delivery here. Wow. That is. Panera on its way. Yeah. It's actually on its way right now. I would have killed for that. Like, <laughs> I remember last year these group of people um, actually wasted seventy dollars on pizza. We did yeah, that this year too. Really? Yeah. This year, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, when she says, I spend most of my day hanging out with my friends, what picture comes to mind for you two when she says that? Um, that's a great question, because I'm listening to people's answers, and I'm going, you walk around? Oh, in the morning? That's yeah. great. Yeah. You know? Because that wasn't ever part of my... I mean, walking and moving our bodies is such an important thing for our health. This casual movement. And indeed, like walking and <laughs> see, why see sitting kids out there just running around having like just doing stuff like that. Right. Like I'm asking because this is a pet peeve of mine. Our students often will say, like at open houses and stuff, they'll say, oh, I hang out with my friends. And I'm here all day, so I have 30 or 40 different pictures in my head of what she means by that, and they're all encapsulated by that tour thing, hang out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting, because, no, I do. What do you do with, like, when you hang out with your friends? Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I crack some real zingers. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, well, right I'll end that there. Um, I... It's mostly a whole bunch of laughing and just talking about things that just come to mind. And oftentimes the, the conversations will evolve into talking about our, about our distaste for public school. That yeah, happens a lot. Much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. A lot of people. Do you guys remember a lot of those experiences that you talked about a lot together? Yeah, yeah, we do that quite often, actually. Mm-hmm. So you've got kind of a, a, a supportive group then for that. Yeah. Because yeah. You, yeah. you all spend a lot of time there, and it's, you know, it has an effect. So... This has been this transition is great, but it's also great that you have you know people who can share that experience and you guys can sort of relate to how different yeah. it is. Yeah. You know? I think that's really cool. I mean, the first thing I noticed is how cool you all are. You came up, you introduced yourself, you talked like man about was your age coming up to someone in school. I'd be terrified. Exactly I'd be terrified. So then no confidence, and plus you'd also be reprimanded for doing it. You know, <laughs> teacher, like, homeroom teacher or something would be like, "What are you doing?" So when he asked like what I, what goes through our heads, it's the same thing for me. I would say I could imagine um, getting yelled at. You know, moving around and socializing. Yeah, the first thing I think about is yeah. Stop yeah. talking. <laughs> that was a common thing to hear in public school. Stop talking. Oh, yeah. Be quiet or else no recess. Well, we encounter frustrating things as advocates for alternative education and unschooling or, you know, I don't really like unschooling because I think there's something about about that phrase I don't like. I like to have education in the phrase. I like it to be more affirmative. Mm -hmm. So I say home education. But 
gosh, I was frustrated when people would say, talking about these alternative forms of education, like homeschooling specifically, and people would say, well, what about socialization? But all I remember when I was in school was teachers saying to me, you're not here to socialize. Exactly. You know? Oh, that's an that excellent point. That was one thing they always said. You're not here to socialize. You're here to learn, God dang it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, implying that you can't learn from talking to people. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the way you do learn by experience. Yeah, exactly. They're like, you know, they're... And we'll just, how about we just do, we'll go clockwise, because I've seen hands go up and down a little bit, so. But when I, when you said what does um, socializing, what my division, whenever I think of it, usually our friends over on a log right there, it's like a falling down log, and it's like this, we usually walk up and down it, like a balance beam. Like kind a little of thing. bridge or something. Yeah, we we'll walk up or down it, we bounce on it, and we jump off of it. No. Yes, fall off of it. Um... Yeah. Cool. That's usually what we do. Yeah. Um, I just want to add something. A lot of kids hate how we deal with like bullying and stuff because they actually have to attend JC. And I heard some little kids going, I wish there was just a principal office. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> no. I was like, no. That's yeah. worse. That's yeah. what you want yeah. with democracy and stuff. Because yeah. if there was a principal office, like all I, all I remember in public school is getting blamed for doing stuff that I didn't do or like they'd give you a really stupid punishment that... And it's just like, and and in JC, like, it's like a mini court system. Yeah, kind of like that. And you would go there, um, and the person who wrote you up, or you could write yourself up if you want to get in less trouble, or you want JC to trust you, then, so basically what would happen is you would both tell your stories, and then, like, they would, like, think, hmm, how are we going to charge them, and then they would vote on it or whatever. Yeah. So JC is Judicial Committee, Mm -hmm. and it's how you guys deal with or resolve problems that happen in the school, things that cause strife or... Break the rules. Yeah, or things that would make the school community work not so well. So how many of you, you can volunteer this information or not, have had to be in JC as somebody, I guess, defending yourself against something. Like, Emma? <laughs> Emma? Or like, Miss um, Yeah, basically. Uh, oh, 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 okay, so, so almost everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, Interesting. Yeah. Um, you, you always have the option to guilty or not guilty. And, yeah. Would anybody like to share one of those experiences? Oh, more than one person. Um, how? <laughs> what, what was your name? <laughs> yeah, let's hear from you. Uh, okay, so in the computer room, there's a table, uh, <laughs> and uh, there's a person here, um, I'm not going to name him, um, James. he scratched, like, the finish off the table, all of us, like, a lot of us knew about it, um, so we were all called in there, because there's a rule against knowing about damage to school property, but not... Like telling, telling someone. a facilities manager, um, <laughs> and um, so we got in trouble for that. And uh, because I mean we did do it, um, but um, so our resolution plan or our our consequence, sorry, my old school was resolution plan, but um, uh, was to buy a new table and we would all chip in. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but since James was the one that actually scratched the table, he um, paid half of it, and the rest of us paid, uh, I forget how many of us there were. Like, five. Like, yeah. Um, so the rest of us paid about 
Twelve dollars, or so. I mean, we're assuming you haven't actually got on the table yet, right? Um, but so, like, when uh, what's the what's it like, like, when you sit down with the other person, like, what this is, if you can describe what that's like, right? Well, there's uh, one person, the JD, JC chick, um, and they sort of run the meeting, um, and so, there's three other people that are on the committee talk about the findings and what the, uh, the consequence will be. Um, so we sort of start talking about trying to get the findings of what happened um, to hear everyone's side of the story. Um, and if there's a dispute, you can bring witnesses in or, and stuff like that. Um, and you argue for your own case. Yeah. Okay. And um, or just guilty or, or be like, yeah, I did it. Well, when did consequence? Yeah. Some people argue will do that. Um, but once the findings are decided on, and everyone votes on the, everyone on the committee votes on the findings. So like, okay, we're all in agreement. This is what happened, and we can put that on the record. Um, then it moves on to the the consequence, and uh, people just suggest consequences to it. Um, and then the JC votes on it. Okay. And then, charges are in between it. Oh yes. Um, what was that? What was that part? In between findings and consequences, charges and pleas. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that's for you. Okay, so for if if uh, based on the findings um, and what happened, people, the JC decides like what rule that was was broken, um, and uh, the person or people are charged with that rule, and they're. Uh, the JC votes on whether or not to charge them, and they can plead guilty or not guilty. And if they plead guilty, um, they just do the consequence. And if they plead not guilty, I believe they have to fill out a form uh, for they have to re formally trial. request a trial. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a further talk about that. I guess I've never Anything. done it. Um, so, yeah. do you, when you say JC takes a vote, is that a vote with you guys? Or is it's that a vote with the three people who are on JC? There's five a scribe, a chair, a staff member, an older kid, and a younger kid. Oh, so it's older made kid is over 10, and younger kid is under 10. I went to a school like this last year, that's what we did there, so I just sort of assumed. So you only had three people on your JC? We had the JC chair, and then we had an older kid, like a and then a 12-year-old, and then like an 8-year-old. Oh. Mick is coming from a similar school. And the scribe oh, was in Pittsburgh. Huh? Oh, cool. Um, the scribe was just uh, one of the people who was on it, or the staff member. They functioned as that. Um, but then, after the charges, uh, there's the consequence, and JC decides on the consequence. And um, you're supposed to do it, and usually there's like a time frame that you have to do it in. And if you don't do it, you can get rid of breaking your consequence. Older students typically are the JC chair and the scribe. Yep. So it's kind of skewed a little to older kids. Sure, uh, and I, I can understand that. And it changes. Yeah. So a yeah. JC chair is on for four weeks, the scribe is on for two weeks, oh, and then an older right. kid <laughs> is on for two weeks, and then a younger kid is on for a week. And there are runners, too. And how, how would you say that works out as far as the resolution to problems that arise? So how do you guys like that? Are you asking, is it fair? Yeah, or how do you, like, yeah, just for you guys, do you think, is that pretty fair? You guys like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I love the JC over I mean, like, principal's office. Yeah, relatively so. speaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's like, right. I think you're wrong, you're wrong. No. Well, it's, you don't even get a say in that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're a child, you don't deserve to speak. That's public school. The first time I encountered anything that looked like this, I was in college, and we had like a, a similar kind of review process. If somebody 
did something where they would get in trouble. But when I was in school, um, it felt a lot like punishment, and yeah. it didn't seem like there was cause and effect. It sounds like that what you guys are describing is that somebody is held accountable for doing something that causes damage to the school or damage yeah. to the community, and through this process, they have to make things whole, right? Is that so? There's there's cause and effect, and it's not about punishing someone. It's about having a resolution to whatever the original problem was. Is that? I'm seeing a head shake. No. Well, I think there are various approaches. Where the judicial committee is made up each day, as you may know, five students and one, or four students, one staff member. Some people view that view what we're doing as simple cause and effect. You break a rule and you get punished. Other people view it as rehabilitation. You break a rule, we're going to try to to rehabilitate you so you won't do it again. Others see it as making amends. But it's just like in the world beyond school, different people have different philosophies of justice and. Um, and keeping a community whole, but I don't think there's anything inherent in our system that prescribes one of those, any one of those three approaches. Each person serving can come from whatever philosophy they choose to come from. Okay, so it, it depends on who is actually on the committee at any given time. Well, I think it's also dependent on the person who's getting charged, too, how, how they interpret what happens as a punishment or an opportunity to redeem um, themselves. I mean, it, it depends on their mindset too. Yeah. How it all unfolds. But also, I like the idea. Like, I, it makes what happened. I don't know. Maybe more aware for that individual, whoever might have uh, damaged the table or something. I know. Like, in, in in contrast to like going to the principal's office, where you really don't at least get to even make a say for yourself, or if you do, you're already at a, a disadvantage because you're dealing with an authority. You know, mm -hmm. now. But um, just. The recognition to have a chance to speak up for yourself and uh, uh, make it aware that, like, look, there are contingent factors that cause. I don't know. It's it's just if I had a little bit more responsibility, knew I could at least open up more about issues that may have happened. I know when I was a kid, that would make it. I I view what happened completely differently instead of just like a reward punishment reward punishment. I I think I would have really conceptually understood what was happening a little bit different and would have appreciated this model with more opportunities to advocate for right. oneself at that age. And then like even and then coming to the realization through that process that maybe I did do something wrong. You know, it's not just like all oh, the principles, you know, being mean to me. Yeah, exactly. Power trip. I have two questions and you guys, anyone who wants to speak on either one, I'll give you the choice. Um, the mo the question I was most excited about asking and getting some answers was What's the most exciting or satisfying thing that you have taught yourself here at Circle School this year? Or, or think about the right way to phrase this. I don't want to say, well, what's the hardest thing for you about Circle School being at Circle School? So each one of you can think of some answers about those, but who, who's got uh, something for question number one? Everybody. <laughs> okay, let's start. Uh, what's your name? Abby. Abby. Okay, let's start with Abby. Um, last year was my first year. It's my second year, and um, I came from the homeschooling experience, <laughs> and I had started like in the second or third grade, so I've been there a while, and um, I don't know. It just was not a good experience um, coming from like that sort of thing, and I was. It was a shock coming into the school like at first I really didn't know what exactly to do with my time 
But as the um, year progressed, I um, found my interests, found friends that supported me, and um, I learned how to um, do things for myself and not really uh, have to take someone's uh, instruction. Mm -hmm. so yeah. So was was it maybe overwhelming at first for yeah. all, all the people? I'd yeah. say that's usually how it, the feeling is for most people when they first go to school. Was it like everybody moving around? Or, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 interesting. And when you were doing homeschooling, was it, did you have any kind of network of people that you would get together with regularly? Uh, no, my experience is the cyber schooling. So, cyber, okay. yeah. So. And was there ever any public school for you? No, I went to a private school, a Moravian school, for like two years, and then um, I moved on to cyber school. So, but now you feel very comfortable. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so, question one or two. Um, I was actually, when I went the first question, I was here, my head blanked there for a second. The most exciting or satisfying thing you have taught yourself during this school year? Probably... What was exciting for me that I noticed that I could actually maintain remembering to do things because I had a lot of trouble doing that my past years. Mm -hmm. um, but this year, it seems like I've been being able to like remember to go to meetings and do stuff I need to do than actually forgetting everything that was going on around me. What do you think changed for you? Um, everything. I mean, new building, right? Mm -hmm. um, new people. I mean, I don't know. I guess. I just started remembering out of nowhere. I'm part of actually a lot more of the system now than I was last year. Like um, committees and corporations that I'm part of enjoying. So it's like you you raised your level of responsibility, it sounds like. Yeah. And that maybe should. made you better organized? Yeah. Interesting. That's something you wanted to do. What is really Yeah. I thought it was really exciting that I actually was going to corporations and being able to help with that system. Yeah. So. Be involved. Move forward. Yeah. Move forward. <laughs> it's Driving a, forward. Tony and I, like four years ago, we did a bunch of shows about like organization and time management. Yeah. Remember that? And we, 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 were, we were trying to figure out better systems. Tony is a, an accountant for a computer company, and I, at this time I had just left tutoring to pursue doing my podcast as a full-time job. And um, this is something that people, like organization, time management, remembering things, managing all of their uh, activities and responsibilities is, so I was, you were what, 28 at the time, I was probably 37 at the time. Um, we were still struggling with, with a lot of this stuff. And a couple of uh, our friends of ours that also run like an alternative podcast, uh, they're older than us even, and they found, like we all found just unbelievable value. I mean, just, but your stories, I really like it because like you found your own value. And like this, you know, joining groups, finding, you know, the value of being responsible or doing whatever you wanted to, you know, it's not something that was forced upon you, which I think it's, it's learning it Learning for yourself and knowing that you want to be a part of that and be responsible for the things that you're interested in is like that's such an important factor. Whereas adults, it's like 
It's like off the school. If you said to an adult, you know what you need to be better organized and, and better at managing your time? You need to be doing more things. You need more things on your plate. Most, uh, most of us wouldn't think that was good advice. But what we found was we were, like I was ignoring a lot of things that I should have been paying attention to, which is very similar to forgetting, obviously, yeah. until we were able to develop better like personal systems of organization, time management, and, and accepting inputs, right? The more organized you are, there's, Bruce Lee had a, had a phrase, uh, be like water. Be like water. Yeah. Right? Where, which in martial arts was, when somebody hits you, like when a rock hits water, the water returns to calm. And um, a lot of us run around in the adult world, um, you know, kind of just, maybe not us, but there's a lot of people out there, and I've certainly been this way, where they're running around going, gosh, if one more thing goes wrong, I'm just going to lose it, you know? Um, they're not like water. And, and what we were trying to learn how to do is to make our minds like water. So like a stoic approach? A, it, it, yeah, yes, it is. It's a very stoic approach, actually, indeed. And it's probably the biggest thing just going into the working world. I've noticed that most managers, high people making big money, that's one thing that is just not a good skill. And the amount of anxiety and frustration they have because of my dad, I work for my, my dad, we run a technology company, and he's like that. And I've tried to push the value of, you know, a time management system on him. But that's where, you know, for you guys learning at a young age, like the value of just doing it for yourself. That's where the disconnect is for him. And when you get older, it's much harder to instill those values. So I think that's really cool that you're running for yourself, just like the importance of harder to change habits too when you get older. Yeah. Actually, that's really funny that you brought that up, the quote thing. Yeah. I was actually talking about that last night with my dad, because he's a martial artist, mm -hmm. actually himself. And we were just like talking about that quote, because I, I just brought up water. And he was like, oh, <laughs> that just came to my head, and we just talked about it for a little. And I was actually at a yellow belt promotion last night mm -hmm. for one of my friends. Um, Style martial yeah. Oh, and he is one too, and she's trying to. I'm blue. He's a blue I'm mess with me. <laughs> I'm actually coming on to getting a yellow belt, but. It's useful advice. I mean, just a, just a, a kind of a, a mantra, something to say to yourself in those in those stressful moments, because life can throw a lot at us, and it's, it can be easy to get overwhelmed the more responsibilities we take. I mean, this is just what I found, the more responsibilities we take on. So, you know, I'm on this 40-day tour across the country that involves 20-something uh, stops, hundreds of people, um, lots of little engagements like this, and, you know, people are emailing me saying, I've got to change this, can we do this? And everything's just like, okay, okay, mind like water, mind like water, mind like water. We absorb the impact, return to calm. It's it's really important to kind of be able to maintain that. So I, I, I uh, said we'd go this way. Um, go ahead. Well, what, and what was your name? I'm sorry. I'm Lily. Lily? Okay. I think I have an answer to both questions, I think. Terrific. I feel like... I came, this is my first year, and I came from a kind of traditional public school background to kind of a half-and-half half cyber school, public school due to health reasons and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally came here, it was kind of, it was great because first of all, there I wouldn't have to be stressed out about all the assignments that I'd be missing and I wouldn't be able to make up. But also, I, and I got here and I noticed I had so much time, and that was both, and that was both scary, but it's also recently, like, made me very excited uh -huh. to think of other things to pursue and do with my time. And I found that it's, um, and some, so having that free time sometimes can get boring mm -hmm. and sometimes can get stressful and you feel like, oh, what am I doing right now? Like, I'm, I should be doing something more. But then I 
but um, it also has given me the initiative to think of more things that I could be doing with myself. That's awesome. I think that's one of the tricks is with time, the more scarce time is for us, the more valuable time seems, right? So when we're trying to do a lot of things in a little amount of time, that seems incredibly valuable. And a lot of people who are like high-level executives, like uh, even, even the guys who ran the school that I used to work for, this boarding school that I used to work for, I would ask for a meeting and they would say, yeah, okay, you can have 15 minutes. I said, who would, who would have a meeting for 15? What can we do in 15 minutes? You can do a lot. You know, say hello. If, if 15 minutes are really valuable to you, you can pack a lot. You, you don't waste time. So, you know, I was a teacher at this school. I worked on a separate campus. Um, to the executive director of the school, I was a guy whose needs and concerns were worth 15 minutes, you know, and that's just how that was. But what I realized as I moved beyond there and I grew up a little bit is that I, I started to talk to like productivity and time management experts. And this one guy I interviewed, he was a New York Times bestseller, his name was Kevin Cruz, and he went and he interviewed all these executives, all these um, Ivy League uh, students about their time management habits. And what he found was that everybody was working off a daily calendar. And I, I've never done this, and I'm not even sure that I could, I could recommend this. But he said, people like that organize their days into like 10 minute blocks and schedule things that way because it's a constant reminder of how valuable their, their time is. So you're discovering more time, right? And I think for, for me when that happened, it was like, oh, well, there must be 600 hours in a week, so I'll just say yes to everything and I'll waste all this time. So that there's that, that balance between you know, the value of time but also having the motivation to make that time useful. When my time, more of my time was taken up by things I didn't like to do, and maybe if you went to, you said you had some public school in your background? Public school and cyber school. When other people are taking up your time with things you don't want to do, that can be really demotivating. So it's to free yourself to have that more time, but also to still recognize how valuable, like every quarter of an hour actually is, as far as what you can do in that time. Um, I think that's, that's a really important realization. So that was, that was kind of both for you in mm -hmm. one question. That's it's awesome. Kind of a, the extra time has given me both, has been both a blessing and a curse, you could say, almost. But at the, but I've only decided to do something with it within actually, like, literally the past couple of days. Mm -hmm. Decide that I need to do something. So it starts out like a curse, but it becomes probably a blessing over time as you find it. Or not even a curse. That's not even the right yeah. word to use, just, but it starts it's, off as a, a dilemma. And then or it's like a chaos. You're not really yeah, sure. Yeah, it turns into something it turns into order. that... Very cool. So I'm trying to find a balance between, um, you know, hearing what you guys have to say and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, next, and some really long rant. And I hope I'm, just for the sake of time, I hope I'm somewhere in there, but I'll try to shorten my response a little bit so I can hear from, from more of you. Um, who was, yeah, go ahead. Last, what I learned last year is uh -huh. uh, we're playing cla Capture the Flag. Okay. And so basically there's two sides, and I had to run across this side get, without getting tagged in and get to the uh, safe base. Uh-huh. And so it's in the safe base, and we use rags as our flags. Mm -hmm. And I had to get that flag across without getting tagged to the other side. So while I was ensconced in the safe zone, I, I was looking down at the rag, which was the right rag. And then I looked down at my sock. I'm like, wait a second, I can use my sock as a decoy. 
so I take my sock off, I give it to Clayton, yeah, who's not here, that. and then I give the sock to Clayton, he starts running, everyone's running after Clayton, thinking he has the flag, and then I would straight across, make it, and win. So I learned that socks are a very versatile tool. That's <laughs> <laughs> was there any, is there, is there a, a general lesson, the applicable, like, we capture a flag, capture the flag as... Think outside the box. I like that. Yeah. 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 Strategize if you're not the fastest person. What's that? Strategize if you're not the fastest person. Absolutely. So find a way to compensate. Accentuate your strengths and find a way to compensate for your your weaknesses. Love it. That's a great story. Yes? Um, One of the hardest things for me is explaining to other people what this school does. Because so many people, like I used to be really cool friends with people on my bus, and then they realized what what my school's actually like, and then they shunned me and hated me. Because they're like, oh, you're so stupid. Because they thought, since you aren't strictly made to have school, like education, you're dumb. And they were, they didn't understand your time should be yours. And when you're inspired, you actually learn more fat, like faster. Right. And they've never learned that when, every time I explain. And even my bus driver hated me because of that. And it was so hard. Is that like most kids' reactions? Um, just... Some kids are like, oh, I want to, like, I'm... I hate homework. I wish I could be like you. Yeah. And other kids are just like, nah, I hate you, fam. It's just, it's hard. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's like back to the 15-minute thing. Like when I was in school, if it was something I wasn't interested in doing, every class, we had 45-minute classes. Oh. And just working with our 15 minutes and how important they are, that was three meaningless eternities between bells, right? And I think that sometimes you, you, you probably have downtime here, like where you're doing things that are also important to the whole human experience, like moving your body and socializing with your friends. Or just having downtime. Downtime is my whole entire right. day. <laughs> but you said something about, maybe you said the word inspired or motivated. Mm-hmm. When that strikes, as it does for me sometimes, 15 minutes suddenly becomes incredibly uh, effective block of time, right? In those moments where where you feel that way, where you feel inspired, where you feel motivated, or really driven by something that's got your interest, or some goal that you're trying to achieve. And 15 minutes goes by in a minute. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. From the experience. I yes. found out that um, in public school, I was in public school from kindergarten to fifth grade, mm-hmm. and then yesterday, yesterday, last year, I started to come here. And I found out, and, and a lot of people in the school take classes, and I took a class, and I found out I can learn much faster if I want to learn it. Yeah. And how in public school, for me, it was it was harder to learn stuff because I didn't want to do it. The teacher was making me do it. And I found out that it's much easier to learn stuff by... That's, a, that's an interesting point, because when I was in uh, you know, grade school, standard uh, public school, I was in a parochial school, but same sort of idea. Uh, I always felt like we spent so much time in, in between bells in these classes, but the amount of stuff we learned was so small in, those amount of, in that amount of time, where I felt like I could literally cram, like jam-pack all of the uh, curriculum I was forced to learn through that day in a couple of hours. But instead, I'm forced to go for seven and a half or so hours, wake up at six 30, be so tired throughout the day that I can barely move the food. We, you know, the fact to get order out like, real food that's that's, that's some terrible, Come terrible back with your orders? food. So. Oh my god. <laughs> Please feel free if anyone is waiting to. I hope people, you know. But yes, I hope, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's a great point though, because I always felt like when I was in school that was something that 
if there was an alternative method when I was a kid, I felt like I could learn way faster if I could just do it myself. So it's cool yeah. you have that experience. Well, sometime in my mid-20s, I think I realized, you know, like I call my show School Sucks, right? And people always say, this sucks, you know, about different things. What I realized is that the things we choose for ourselves, the things that, that we're intrinsically motivated to follow, are the things in life that are great, are the things in life that give us satisfaction. And it's very, very rarely the things that are we're obligated to do or the things that... I mean, I mean sometimes there, there there is a obligation that is not negative because we're part of a community, we have responsibility to a community. But the, the things that are imposed on us are usually the things that suck. Getting your driver's license renewed or uh, getting your car re-registered and standing in line at the DMV sucks. Nobody wants to do it. You know? Nobody loves it. Nobody chooses it. But on the other hand, when we're pursuing our own interests, when we're pursuing our own goals, when we're, you know, fought, exactly what you're describing, like the difference between choosing to learn and being forced to learn, um, which is to sit there quietly and, and supposedly absorb information, um, there's a huge difference in what the results are and in, in how you feel and how useful that becomes. Uh, we'll go back this way, starting with Jessica. Um, I think the thing that I learned was how to run a meeting. Cool. So, um, I started up Garden Corp again because, like, apparently it actually was a corporation a few years ago. But I'm going to be a botanist when I grow up, and I really like plants, and so I decided, hey, let's have a garden. Mm -hmm. So I started it up, um, again. And then, um, so I kind of learned how to run a meeting a little bit, and I'm still learning, obviously. But, yeah, it's pretty fun. Is that something you started back up? Was it not? So the corporation wasn't around last year for that particular? But, like, it was, it was around, but it wasn't meeting anymore because, like, people just stopped coming. Yeah. Oh, so you sort of got them, at, like, it back and forth. How many people did you bring in? Uh, uh, four people. You guys do any projects around the, the property? Plant some flowers? Well, not yet, because we're, we're still planning, because it just started up, but yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, yep. Um, just one second, my mind just totally went blank. <laughs> I hate how people, um, kind of like how people said earlier, it's unfair that we update everything, like new laws and like how society works, but we never update the new education, like how people learn. Like, those yeah. laws are almost 100 years old. Yeah. Actually, they are. It's just hard to believe that we keep something in force that was so long ago, like back when things were horrible, you know? You mean as far as school is concerned? Yeah. It's funny to say that because Brett's, the beginning, you know, as you guys get older and maybe go through his podcast, you can see it, sort of see an evolution in Brett's own thinking because a lot of it started out in the beginning of his podcast trying to find out where did it go wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, the big question what are the historical. The situations in the milieu that existed culturally that created the situation that pretty much school is like a factory, uh, very robotic, very you know. Yeah, and also one thing I like about this school, it's your time. It's not your teacher's time. It's your time. Yes. You plan out what you want. You don't get like, oh, I don't want to do this. Well, you're gonna have to because yeah. you don't know what you're gonna be when you grow up because you're younger than me. Yeah. I hate that mindset. And the teachers, and you're whenever you're. Like, it's the stuff that you, you guys want. 
like, um, the teachers, whenever you would be loud in the classroom, the teacher's like, stop wasting my time or whatever. Like, I don't get paid enough for this. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to pay anything to sit here and listen to you. So, a quick, a quick story just about that. Um, does anybody know why school was originally, or not school, but why public school um, was originally set up, where it came from? Was it to indoctrinate? Well, I think... Or to conform? There's children. always this idea, there's something very attractive about being a kind of... Everyone's been in like a boat, right? And uh, boats have these things called rudders, right? That are just these little flaps of wood, but you, it goes this way, and so does this giant boat. Mm -hmm. Or it goes this way, and so does this giant boat. So to, to start talking about people being evil or engaging in conspiracies, it's not very useful because it kind of sets up this whole like negative and not yeah disempowering way of looking at the world. Like people are out to get me. But I think in in our school system in the United States came from uh, the Kingdom of Prussia, which is today mostly Germany and Poland. But it was very uh, it was a, a cultural. Uh, very similarly cultural, uh, cult similar culturally to Germany. Um, and they were trying to expand, they were a kingdom, and they were trying to turn into an empire, as everybody in the early 1800s was in Europe, you know? And they'd grow and grow and grow, and then, you know, bump into each other and fight. So, unfortunately for the Prussians, the guy they bump into is a French general named Napoleon, who's famous for being a, good at this, right? And... The Prussian rulers, they get frustrated with their lack of the, the soldiers that were fighting for the Prussian, Prussian army. They get frustrated with their lack of what they called fire discipline, which was the ability to stand there and continue firing while other people shot a gun at you for seemingly no reason, right? You two, you'd never met, never done anything wrong. The rational thing to do would be to preserve your own life, turn in the other direction, and run away. But that, that, that was something that was kind of trained out of them. And about 50 years later, a, a lot of Americans and a lot of British guys and French guys started to go and look at the schools in Prussia. Not because they wanted to, like, how can we get people to march into bullets without thinking about it? But they said, Prussia is an interesting place. It's, you know, on the expand. It's uh, industrializing. And, you know, a, a thing that's happened in the 20th century is people, as they talk about improving education, they say, well, who's doing what we like? And they look at Japan, because Japan gets great test scores. Um, it's, it causes a lot of problems for people personally, the way their education system works, but a lot of people in the 80s and 90s said, let's use Japan as a model. So as they were talking about standardizing education in the United States, they said, let's look at Prussia. And they said the same thing in France, they said the same thing in the United Kingdom. So uh, American went over there, and he took a tour of the schools while they were on uh, holiday and decided it was good enough, even though he never saw them in session and he never saw students working with teachers, and they brought them to the United States. So that was actually the model of education that we got in this country, which is um, you know, kind of incorporated when the Industrial Revolution happened, the bell ringing, getting people to change from one task to another, getting people to sit still, getting people to focus on one thing, um, was very useful for the careers that a lot of people were going to have in the 1880s, which was working assembly lines. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time in public schools and with public school students in the last 10 years, and, uh, you know, 
they try. They try. There, there are lots of people there who pro probably are as passionate about education as the people here. But because it's such a large, kind of inert, rusty old system, lots of people like me who went into it at 21 or 22 years old, very idealistic, thinking I could have a positive change, were burnt out and ready for something else by the time we were 25 or 26. Mm -hmm. Now, many of you might have had experiences with people who were still there, but they were 60, you know? And they're not so positive anymore. Like, I have one teacher, one period, who taught English, come in and say, all right, guys, here's what we're gonna do today. He was 25, 26 years old. My next teacher was a man who would shuffle into the room and he'd put on a film, film strip. We called them back in the day. It was a big, like a movie. And uh, he'd fall asleep at his desk in the dark. And maybe those two guys weren't so different. It was just the 30 years of exposure to that system in between, right, that made the excited, enthusiastic, fun guy the sleepy, old, don't bother me guy, right? And, and that's and, and it happens for students too, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, was I was like raising my hand to like answer the first question from please, a while ago. Please, yeah. Yes. Okay. Didn't, didn't want you to get confused and like think it was like related to what you were oh, talking no. about. Okay. That was a, the, the ranch that I promised to try and stay away from. But. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So, was so one of the most satisfying things I've, I've done this year was that I've learned how to use Logic Pro instead of GarageBand for my music. Oh, nice. yeah. It has more instruments, more just more things I can do, but it's not quite as, but it's not, but it wasn't quite as user friendly for me. And so I, and so I'm, and so I learned it. I'm still learning it, and I'm, and I'm happy with the sounds that I'm making. So. Do you like it better? I mean, you're, yeah. just, you're just like going through it yourself, just like all the different options, all the different settings, and so yeah. just like that. That's cool. I know GarageBand is a cool program, but it is limited as far mm -hmm. as like what you're able to do. So the the other, I know there's like Audacity, and there's a lot of other free programs out there that can do really cool. Um, you use Logic Pro. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he, you're going up like yeah, like several. Jump, yeah, that's like a subscription. How would you describe the process of teaching yourself? Like what do you do? What do you? We go in there because my experience would be with like I've tried to work with different like video editing programs, and a lot of it is deciding what I wanted to do and then trying to learn what all the individual parts are and how they work together and seeing if they can make what I want to do. But what's what's that like for you? Like because it's way more complicated, right? Than GarageBand. Yeah. There's like so much more going on because you can do so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, out of all these instruments, there's settings that I've never even heard of, so, mm -hmm. yeah. How it worked for me was, like, I'd familiarized myself with GarageBand a, a few years back, wasn't it? Yeah. And so, uh, and so this year I thought, hmm, okay, with GarageBand, I'm not exactly making the sound that I want to make. And I know that Logic has more, so... So I think that I'll try that. And so, like, and so I, and so I started making a new project, and I just started messing around with whatever. Mm -hmm. Graham, when you meet a command that you don't recognize, do you go online to look up what it does, or do you just play with it and see what it does, or? I mean, I, usually I just play with it to see what see what it does. If, 
That's how I used to do experimentation. Yeah. Simple enumeration, just try it all. And then like it's funny because you know the, the names and the words you see, the labels on the program, like there's so many that are unfamiliar, but after clicking it and seeing what happens, it's like you instantly understand and all of a sudden it's not so because I remember I'd look at these computer my dad sat in front of a computer when I was like five years old. He said learn. I was like, well, okay. So I just, you know, sat there and I clicked on every program, button, system, and that's all I've learned how to use a computer, just trying everything. Got in a lot of trouble that way, too. But, you know, <laughs> so you think, you're actually saying that you, you sit down with a goal in mind of what you want to do and then yeah. see if this can accomplish it? Or at least a general idea. Yeah. yeah. Like a sound or something. Yeah. So you know what you're looking for, kind of. Yeah. And you'll, and you'll so you know when you'll find it. Yeah. I think the experimentation with those those programs is great because you learn so much just from. It's impossible to sit in front of something like that and know everything it can do, yeah. but through trial and error, you can start to discover a lot of those things. Yeah. Awesome. Anyone else on either of those questions? I just want to ask you a question and just say something. Sure. I never. If I get out of my facts wrong, please forgive me. I never went to a normal school in my life. Sure. And. A lot of tests I hear, instead of like literally learning stuff whenever you're presenting something, it's usually just filling your mind with um, knowledge and then regurgitating it on a paper. Exactly. And and the question is, would you guys want to go to a school like this? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I mean, this is a it, it's unfathomable to me, like witnessing what I'm witnessing here today. It's just I can't. I have no reference for it in my own memory or experience. Like all I have is. You know, the quiet, introverted, scared me who ran around, you know, school, going from class to class, sort of afraid to talk, had my own little social group click, but, like, we didn't really branch out to other people, we weren't really friendly with other people. It was, yeah, it was just very isolating, and this is the opposite of isolating. Like, all of you guys are so different, all of you are so unique, but you're not afraid to, like, approach us and talk with us and just be normal, be cool, you know? Be normal human beings that aren't afraid to engage us and talk about what we do, what you guys do. It's a one-to-one -one relationship. I don't look at being an adult to kids. To me, it's just human beings in the same rooms, sharing experiences and learning. Uh, and that's what the way I like to look at it. But for me, it's looking back on my own reference and experience. Now, this is, it's hard for me. When I leave today, I'm going to be thinking about this for probably the rest of my life, just because of how different it is. Now, shocking and wonderful it is to see that there all are at least alternatives available for kids and kids. And that you guys are taking advantage of it. What's interesting, in a weird way, now that we're adults and we can do whatever we want within the bounds of the law and polite society, um, we do go to a school like this, you know? Because if, if, if we're saying this place is about education, we all use our time pretty much how we want to do it, right? Tony has a job where if he wants to play golf during the day because it's beautiful out and he loves golf, he can do that and then work at night. I can structure my time the same way. Tony lives in York, Pennsylvania. I live in uh, central New Hampshire. Our other friends live in Connecticut. When we have something that we need to talk about or learn about together, we jump on Skype and we have a conference about it, you know? Or we, we get in our cars and we drive and we meet like Tony and I are doing right now. So we did actually, in, in adulthood, once we got the freedom to make our own decisions, which, which you guys have now, and we, we didn't unfortunately have when we were your age, we created learning environments very similar to this. We use our time the way we want to use them. We team up with other people when we need to around some kind of goal that motivates us, and we, we continue to learn. So that's a, that's a great question, and the simple answer is yes. It's funny because like, I never learned that in school. Right. Like, that's the big thing. Even in college, I mean, we were forced to be in these like, 
I, I went to Penn State, and you know we have a class of like 900 kids in these huge auditoriums, just insane. And you're forced in these huge groups where some of the kids can't speak English or read English. Uh, it's just it's a whole different world. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know, like it wasn't until after I realized that something was fundamentally wrong with the structure of schooling once I got out of college that uh, I actually started networking with Brett or the friends of ours in Connecticut. And you know, it's funny. I had to. What you guys are doing, you're, you have such a head start because I kind of had to learn it for myself in my early 20s of like how to overcome being shy and like wanting to network with like-minded people and meet new friends and new, you know, new experiences and it's just it's wonderful to see you guys already have such a, a huge head start in that department where I had to like go through a lot of growing pains in my 20s a lot indeed the other yeah I think that part of that when you said growing another disadvantage that we have is like the schooling and college they told us that that was our education right, right? they said so it's like a friend of ours always said imagine if you were driving, you guys have come to like rest stops on the highway, mm -hmm. right? Imagine you had a destination to go on a vacation, right? And you were being driven by a person who just pulled into a rest stop and pretended that was your vacation. You know, <laughs> talk about things that suck, right? Um, that, was, that was kind of like, education is a lifelong journey. You know, we're always learning. I've learned more uh, in the last 10 years that I've been out of school than I did in the 18 years that I spent in school, one form or another, but like, by like, oh my God, it's a factor of, yeah, it's, exactly. It's right. totally well, and that's something you learned maybe while you were in school, just wasn't important to you, so. And we couldn't relate it to anything of value intrinsically in our right. lives. Exactly. Like, you're forced to learn these general historical or, you know, or mathematics, algebra, and geometry you go through, but you don't ever realize, how does that relate to my life mm -hmm. in some way? And I think that's when you lose that have a disconnect between cause and effect between reality and just pure abstraction. That's I mean, you see in so many different disciplines where kids are maybe interested, but it becomes so abstract and unrelatable that then, even if they are in, like, intrinsically interested in math or science or music, they sort of lose it along the way. Right. Because there's nothing back, they can tie back to something they can see that's tangible they, in their reality. They, don't get us wrong, they gave us books. <laughs> they were filled with books. information. You know, there some of them really were like this big. Yeah, it wasn't all right, but if they gave you a science book or a math book, it was pretty, what was in there was usually fairly accurate based on what they knew at the time. Um, but it wasn't made useful and it wasn't made meaningful, and that's what it has to be, I think, to really be educational. So, why don't we do, let's see, is anybody who hasn't gotten a chance to, to say anything have anything they want to say? And then I'll just take whatever. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, so, I just have a question. Um, how do you um is is college a lot like a normal public school mm, it's college is a very hard thing to generalize yeah. because and it's changing like, yeah. you know how you guys said you have cyber school a lot of you guys did cyber um there's a lot of kids taking advantage of online courses because of the cost of schooling. When I was at Penn State, a lot of kids were first year generations into their school into a college so they would try to, because it's so expensive, they try to finish in half the time or stressed out trying to take all these credits. It's it's set up kind of similarly to a public school, but the difference is you actually get the freedom to choose whether or not you want to go to class and complete the curriculum or diploma that, that interests you, the, the subjects that interest you. So you get the more freedom, freedom. Yeah, to okay, choose. Correct. So people, the difference is like you, you're forced to go to the public school, know, but the college is not like that. The job I want. You can just bail out of school. That's the difference. And you said you have a more specific question about college based on something you want to do? Yeah, because um, in order to be what I want to be, when I grow up, I have to go to college, but I just don't know 
if it's like, is it gonna be degrading or whatever? What do you want to do? I want to be a botanist, and you need to get a botany degree. That's right. I think that it's, 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 it would be very hard for us to make any predictions or generalizations about college, because you're an individual, so it's very hard for us to make any generalizations or predictions about you. Um, if you went there with a purpose of doing that, I mean, you could be incredibly successful. And if you went to the right place, I mean, college is so many different, it's, it's almost yeah. kind of a useless word, yeah. because it means so many different things. Like, the guys in Animal House, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but like you picture irresponsible fraternities or whatever, um, that's technically college, but like so are people doing, you know, all kinds of research that, you know, pushes humanity and technology forward. That's all under this umbrella called college, right? So the circle school is called a school, right? But public school is also uses the word school. So what do these words really mean? So I would never, I, I worry sometimes on my show about talking new, too negatively about college too generally because there are things that are bad about college and there's things that are great about college. And for somebody like you who knows what you want to do, if that's still what you want to do when it's time for you to go to college, I think, you know, you would be, you could be incredibly successful. And I think many of you will probably come maybe to a point where you, you want to go into a certain profession and will have to go to some sort of higher ed training. training yeah, right. And one thing colleges offer, especially for botany, is one of the things I remember most about Penn State that I wish I would have taken advantage of is the facilities they had available to us. Um, just the, the science facilities, we had an observatory. A little, it was just so cool, all the different, like if you weren't the cliche of partying and having fun, if you take that away and think of all the amazing things they actually do offer, I really wish I would have taken advantage of that. The computer science building was state of the art. There was just so many cool resources we had available that I didn't understand at the time. And now I look back on which I still have those databases and all the things that they offered as part of going to that institution. So there's, within the institution, I mean, there's going to be good and bad, but there's one of the cool things I always thought that many colleges have is just the facilities and what is available to you. But a lot of it, and you're learning this now, it's going to be self-directed. You're going to have to take advantage of that for yourself. And if you're really interested in botany, if you go to, you know, the, the right college that offers that program has good facilities, you're going to find, like, you'll, you'll, you'll find your own motivation, I think, to, like, want to engage with that, that interest at school. Because you do have that direction that you want to follow. People think about... You know, I mean, for, for, for us, school was about asking permission. So, like, when it came to the college admissions process, we, we were asking permission to go to a new place. Um, I think you should think about it as an, because that's not your frame of mind. You're not going around asking for permission, everything you want to do all day. You should think about it as a mutual interview, right? So, like, the things that he's saying are really important. Uh, so I studied communications in college in the late 1990s. Communications is like television, radio, and print journalism. So it was great. All throughout the late 90s, I learned about how newspapers were laid out in the 70s. I learned about how television news packages were created in the early and mid-80s. But outside of the world, in the late 90s, the, everything was being revolutionized by digital technology. So when I graduated from college, from a small school that didn't have a lot of funding and didn't have a lot of resources, like where Tony went, Penn State, which is a huge school with you know tons of money coming in every year, um, I had a degree in communications history. You know, I didn't have a degree in anything that was practical. Like I couldn't go to an interview and say, "Well, look, um, I understand that when it's time to lay out the newspaper, we we print out uh, we print out uh, the story and we cut it up with scissors." And then we run it through a hot wax machine and we uh, stick it to a template. 
and I would have been escorted out of the building, you know, at that point, where everybody was using computers and everything was done. It's the copy paste. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. We were we were running paper through hot wax and sticking it to templates to go to, to then send it to like a printer to be photographed and duplicated as a newspaper. Right? It's just in many ways that a lot. So that's a that's a kind of a silly example. But everything. Does anyone know what VHS is? Has anyone yeah. heard of VHS? Yeah. I was thinking it's funny because I wonder if you're generating. Yeah, because uh, it, it popped in my mind the other day. Like you see, you have magnetic tape, mm -hmm. and like there's you know I have to push it in. The tape will get wound up and stuck and all. Yeah. And I was I remember the days before the internet. But your generation, you guys grew up with with a lot of the, the stuff that I, I was the bridge between and Brett. Does anyone know what Blockbuster Video is? Actually, my parents didn't allow me to use watch TV, so we went there like every day. Right. Yeah. So when I started, even when I was in college, I was collecting movies on these cassette tapes that were like, like tapes that were this big for one movie. There's there's a card in that recorder that's the size of a Tic Tac that you could you could put an entire Blockbuster store on. Yeah. Now, right? Or at least all the new releases, you know, <laughs> could fit on this thing the size of a Tic Tac now. But um, so, so just like how quickly that technology became obsolete for me meant studying that meant that college didn't prepare. But that was my responsibility. It was my responsibility to know. It was my responsibility to see how the industry that I wanted to enter was changing. And I, no one ever had told me that. Uh, nor had I sought that information out. So is that something you wanted to do when you went into college communications, or is there something other? Were you just not sure in this one? No, it was well. I, when I was twelve, I wanted to be a sportscaster. So when it was time to pick a college major, because I wasn't a self-directed learner, and I was just told, "Look, you go to college to get a job. College is like the thirteenth grade." That's what I did. I had this desire to like get in front of a microphone and talk to people, and have it be broadcast somewhere. And that started when I was like a little kid. There was something about me that that's how I wanted to project myself into the world. And I thought it was through sports, and then I, it took a couple other forms, like maybe I'll be, you know, the guy who, when you're watching the news, it's like, you know, there's the, you know, a, a squirrel in the pool at the YMCA, let's go down to Brett Vinod, who's standing there with the squirrel, and he's going to talk to somebody from that. I would be that guy standing at the YMCA to talk about the squirrel in the pool. Um, like, that's what I was thinking in college, as I was getting more realistic. And now back to Carl with sports. Uh, yeah, yeah. But eventually I found, I was able to just, that motivation that I had, I found a way to do what I wanted to do, and that's what I do today, and I didn't, I didn't need that college to do it. But I guess I was lucky in that sense. Botany, you do. And you should think about, you know, you're interviewing them um, to see if they're going to meet your needs as a learner as much as uh, they're interviewing you. Yeah, that's a great point. And that goes for all of life. Like when you're going for a job, you almost want to interview the company or whatever you want to do with your life as much as they're interviewing you to find out what, you know, what are they like, what's their history, what's their ethics, that sort of thing. So that's throughout all of life, it should be a sort of like this course, one-on-one communication, not like subordinate yeah. and yeah. authority. You're not there to sacrifice your needs for them, you know, it's supposed to be it's a mutually mutual. beneficial relationship, and that's an important thing to remember. So, guys, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at not doing uh, rants after every <laughs> question. But, uh, you can tell he does podcasts. So, I, I do want to say this has been uh, incredible, educational. Absolutely. Really, I'm really glad we made it up here today, and I never really appreciate. Never too old to learn. What's that? Never too old to learn. Never too old to learn. <laughs> You'll never stop learning. And I really appreciate all you guys coming here and sharing your stories and listening to mine. This has been totally awesome.